It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17 You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network coming to you tonight after a very disappointing loss at home, third straight home loss for the Celtics, this time to the Detroit Pistons, 121-114 in a game that they just could never really get a handle on. They made a run in the fourth quarter, took a a lead for a short amount of time, and the Detroit came back and made a run of their own, and that was it. Celtics made it close at the end, but very disappointing for Boston, very disappointing in a lot of ways. I am John Corrales, here with Sam Packard to talk about the whole thing. And I guess we should start with the insane shooting this uh, tonight for the Detroit Pistons, where you go down their starters – Ish Smith has the random guy who goes off on the Celtics award tonight. He shot 75% for 19 points, 8 rebounds, and 8 assists. Ish Smith almost dropped a (laughs) triple-double on the Boston Celtics tonight. Ish Smith out-rebounded every Boston Celtic tonight. Every one of them. So... That's, that's not good. He's a small that's, man, too. That's not yeah. good. When Ish Smith, a guy picked up by the Sixers last year, just to kind of, eh, let's guess, we, we need somebody, becomes, I mean, he's he's a pretty solid player, but just the road that he's taken to this point, it, it's just very frustrating to see. But he shot 75%. Contavious Caldwell Pope shot 59%. Drummond, 61.5%. Marcus Morris, 61.5%. Tobias Harris is the only one who didn't shoot 50%. He was 9 of 20. He shot 45%, but he was 3 of 6 from 3. So he got the job done. Uh, Andre Drummond dropped 20 and 17. Eight offensive rebounds for him. But it's really it's the shooting. And everybody's going to look at this. And see, the Celtics gave up 121 points, again, at home. Part of it was they just weren't challenging some shots, but once they did start challenging the shots, the the Pistons didn't miss. Yeah, I don't even think it was a, a, a terrible defensive performance by the Celtics. There's definitely some lapses, but there's there's lapses in every game. It was really just the... The Pistons were killer for mid-range. It feels like the Celtics' um, defense, if they're not creating turnovers, it's it's designed to force the other team into kind of 
mid-range shots, uh, especially like coming off of pick and rolls. They're just going to try and force you to pull up and um, take those pull-up jumpers. And tonight, this, the Pistons couldn't miss. If you just add up all their starters' points, they scored 105 of their 121 points, which is insane. Uh, it's just at some point, I know the cliche is a, a maker miss league, but it's just they, if one team keeps on making and the other team keeps on missing, the the result uh, is not that unexpected. It's just I just it just every every possession it felt like this uh, uh, the Pistons were just making another shot, and even times like uh, Andre Drummond felt like he just made so like four ridiculous hook shots that he doesn't normally make. It just seems like it was totally the Pistons' night. And with that being said, the Celtics still had uh, a legitimate chance. They had uh, opened up the fourth quarter with a what was an 11-0 run and actually took the lead 95-94 to at one point. So you kind of have to give the Celtics some credit for, one, just staying in the game and kind of being persistent even though um, – the Pistons were shooting the lights out, but uh, it just you're not going to win every single game. And this is kind of just one of those frustrating nights in the NBA where I'm sure there's going to be things they're going to work on. I'm sure Brad Stevens is going to question their effort and say they uh, are going to need to get into the ball more. But um, you just kind of have to take this one and move on. Uh, you, the Kings are playing they're playing the Kings on Friday, and that's what you got to focus yeah, on. Yep, the, the Belichick were on to Sacramento. But that's still – it's tough. Yeah, you look at the stats, the – the Detroit bench shot four of uh, 12, four of 12. So the entire Pistons team shot 48 of 87. So the Pistons starters shot 44 of 75. That's, that's pretty damn good. That's pretty damn good. So yes, there was, and there were those possessions. Like there was a great uh, possession, uh, I think it was in the third quarter, late in the third quarter, where the Celtics played some great D. And I'm looking and I'm watching. You had that. You had everything. You had good switches. You had your favorite Kelly Olynyk positional defense. You had, oh, so you had all of that stuff. It was it was really good. There was a good closeout. The Celtics forced a miss, and then next thing you know, uh, Marcus Morris comes in, clears out. Uh, clears out Amir. Uh, I mean, Jay Crowder. So they missed that call on the rebound, but then he gets that rebound and gets a putback. And now all of a sudden, all that great defense goes away. Uh, and they had a lot of those plays where they did a lot of things well, and then something would happen that just went either they blatantly gave up an offensive rebound or the play where Olenek landed and got the foul called on him, which was one of the worst calls in the world, like one of the worst calls you're ever going to see. But he lands, is it completely stopped? I forget who it was that jumped into him. It was, it was Pope. Pope. Yeah. Jumped yeah. straight into him and gets the three free throws. Like that stuff happened, which just really horrible. But the Celtics, even when they did stuff well, Something somehow worked against them to to negate it. Even in the end, even at in the last minute of the game, where they're pressing and they get a deflection, and it bounces into one of the Pistons' hands, and then that guy makes a pass, and now Horford gets a deflection, and it just bounces into another Pistons' hands. Pass, pass, wide open dunk. 
for Detroit. Like that stuff, even when you're getting deflections, just the bounce of the ball went the wrong way. So, yes, a lot for the Celtics to clean up. And then just bad bounces, and Detroit just never uh, stopped hitting baskets. So let's look at some of these things that I think maybe could have gone a little bit better. Uh, One thing that came out tonight, it's weird because Kelly Olenek had this statistically pretty awesome game. 19 points, 3 rebounds, a couple of assists, a plus 10 in all of this. He was on the floor doing a lot of great things. He shot 7 of 9, 3 of 4 from 3. Yeah, I feel like he could have done a lot more. 9 shots. He was he was great because he wouldn't miss, but only 9 shots. How many times did he pass to Marcus Smart, who we've spent probably 2 weeks talking about how he can't shoot? Where Kelly had an okay look, a decent look. He could have taken it, and everybody would have been fine with it. And instead, pass it off to Marcus Smart, who maybe had a little bit of a better look, but is nowhere near the shooter that Olenek is. And I find myself in those situations. I know it feels like the right play to make in the moment, and I love that he's got the trust in his teammates, that he has this faith in Marcus Smart. But Marcus Smart was 2 of 8 from 3. He took eight three-pointers. What the hell is Marcus Smart doing taking eight three-pointers? That's That can't happen. <laughs> like I don't mind Marcus Smart shooting some three-pointers. He's going to have to. You know, you shoot four or five, I'm, I'm even okay with that. He shouldn't be shooting five, but I'm okay with it. But eight is just insanely stupid. Stop doing that. And Kelly Olynyk just pissed me off when he was giving up looks that he should have made on a night where he could have taken those shots and giving them up to Marcus Smart. I, I wish they could switch brains sometimes. <laughs> I was actually talking about that on Twitter. Uh, someone said, what would happen if uh, Kelly Olynyk had Smart's aggressiveness? And I said, what would happen if Marcus Smart could shoot like Kelly? It would be a perfect Freaky Friday I mean, movie. Seriously, like, they, they really need to, like switch brains for a little bit. And I know Marcus's ability comes from his just fearlessness and and confidence in himself. I do love that about him. But cut it out. Eight threes is just not it's not acceptable. It's not acceptable. And Kelly Olenek needs to let it fly on a night where he shot 78%. He hit three of four from three. On a night like that, he's got to take more shots like Marcus Smart heat checks in the middle of warm-ups like he just can't resist the heat check Kelly Olenek may never ever take a heat check in his life <laughs> oh, well there's there's a lot to unpack here I I will agree with you that Marcus Smart needs to take less threes but if I remember um a number of his threes tonight they were really wide open and it's good on the Pistons for kind of sagging off Marcus Smart but I think it's so some blatant anti-Canadian bias for you to attack Kelly Olenek tonight for not taking enough shots when Al Horford was three of five tonight. That was, that was the next. The star player. You're, 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 this is what Steven said, right? Uh, the first thing he said in his press conference was he was not uh, not happy with Al Horford only taking five shots. So it, that's got to be more problematic than Kelly Olenek's taking, going seven of nine and scoring 19. I mean... Horford's got to do something more to step up. And I know Isaiah Thomas was the main um, 
kind of guy uh, leading the offense uh, early on, at least in the first three quarters. I mean, I guess we'll talk about that later. Um, and it might be that Horford was more of a facilitator, but it's, he's got to look to do either more on the post. Um, and this might have been a, a lot of uh, like what the uh, what the Pistons defense was doing, because in addition to Marcus Smart going two for eight from three, uh, Jay Crowder was two for ten from three. And I'm we're both, I think, agreed that we're OK with Jay Crowder taking that many threes. But it seems like the, the Pistons knew that the the Celtics were not a great three point team. So kind of sagging in and letting them take that three point shot. And when you have nights like this, when you shoot a. Uh, 35% and a lot of that's inflated because Avery Badley came out of nowhere to hit three at the end of the yeah. game. Uh, he would have been one for five. Uh, if not for those, it's just, if you're going to rely on the three ball and end up taking 42, three point shots, uh, you're not going to do that well, especially if you're not a, a, a great shooting team like the Celtics are yeah, not. The Celtics, their, their strategy is, is pretty clear. You're, you are shooting threes or you're going to the rim and very occasionally do they, because of the, you know, their run off the three-point line, will they step in and take some of those long twos and some of those mid-range shots? That's, that, that's where Al Horford comes in. Like That's his territory. He's the guy that should be hit, taking those shots. But I, I agree wholeheartedly that Al Horford needs to be taking more than five shots per game. Brad Stevens said it after the game, obviously. I'm sure Al Horford looks at the sheet and is like, yeah, okay, I, I, I should. You know, but he's so good at so many things. That, and look, Detroit will live with having Crowder and Smart take 20, almost 23-pointers. 20 <laughs> when you think about it that way, holy shit. That's, yeah. That's just <laughs> It's just insane, but uh, that's that's the strategy. And you you try to take the ball out of Horford's hands. They doubled him a lot. He passed ex- exceptionally well out of the double team. He had a great pass early in the, in the game to Amir Johnson. He um, and he actually found Johnson again out of a double team later on. Some of this is them trying to figure out how to play with one another. So that's that. I think is. Some of this that Horford's taking, yeah, he took five shots and, and maybe in the same game played under the same circumstances that somehow you could duplicate these things. He would take shots that he passed up. And like, and even if you saw today, the first pass to Amir Johnson, Amir was out at the three point line and almost had to be kind of like invited into the lane with Al Horford with like that, the eyes, the big eyes and the shaking of the head, like, come on, come on, dude. The big, big lane right there, wide open. The second time, same type of situation. Horford double teamed in the same spot on the floor, and Amir immediately made that move. So that's just comfort. Al Horford hasn't played a ton of games for the Celtics this year. They're still, they are still getting used to one another. So I will excuse Horford a little bit, not saying that he, this, this is fine, but. I feel like Horford will recognize this and build off of it. And Olenek, I'm hesitant to, you know, to, I don't want to be the guy that this is always going to be who Olenek is, but this is who Olenek has been. And even on a night like this where he's got, he had that great game, he definitely should have taken a lot more shots that he gave up. 
So that to me, and, and you can call it nitpicky or whatever. I just think that's something that Olenek needs to, to look at. No, I think that's it's fair. I just it, it was kind of silly to me to call out Olenek was the first guy you call out, but it's a it's a very good point that Olenek is probably the one of the I would say after Isaiah Thomas is probably the best, or maybe after Avery Bradley, but he's in at least the top of the Celtics in terms of just skill, in terms of shooting skill, and so you'd much rather have him taking threes uh, than other guys. Say Marcus Smart. So it's just I agree with you that he. If you're going to have someone cranking almost 23s, you'd rather it be Olenek and someone else than Marcus Smart and Jay Crowder. Uh, but then one of the major things um, I want to talk about, despite them missing that many threes, is uh, Isaiah Thomas scored 27 points in the first three quarters and then did not score any in the rest of the game because in the fourth quarter, he did not play the first seven minutes. Um, and I know that the Celtics opened up the fourth quarter on an 11-0 run and actually took the lead um, – back from the Pistons or relieved 95-94, but it just felt like way too long to get uh, Isaiah back into this game. And he's been kind of the major contributor for the Celtics in the fourth quarter, especially uh, going to the free throw line. And it just felt like uh, right when they tied it, that was kind of the, the kind of the chance to put Isaiah in and uh, really take that lead and kind of snatch this victory. But in kind of two minutes, boom, Marcus Morris three, uh, Tobias Harris three, and then uh, Andre Drummond gets some foul shots, and the the Pistons are back up seven, and then that's when Isaiah gets in the game, and at that point it's kind of you're like you're trying to dig out a hole, and Isaiah never really got got into a rhythm. So this also may be nitpicky, but it's just it felt a little bit too late uh, to get your best player and your best scorer back on the floor in the yeah, fourth. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. You know, he um, he waited, I think, a little too long. I think some of it might have been that like look they're they're on this they're on this 11-0 run let's just kind of keep it going let's see how long we can we can make it you know how long we can milk this look Isaiah he played 33 minutes tonight not a huge deal but yeah every time he plays he he takes hits he's he's on on the ground he hits the ground probably more than any other player in the league and so I think opportunities to Maybe get him a couple more minutes rest and try to limit his minutes are, are few and far between for the Celtics. So when you're sitting there, and I don't want to make excuses for everything Brad does because, you know, in hindsight, yeah, you know, could have used a little bit more cowbell here. But they <laughs> really, you see, you're watching the Celtics play better than they've played the entire game. Isaiah's on the bench. Let's just say, okay, maybe right now let's just keep him on the bench. You could have, you could have, after they scored a couple, try to take a timeout. But look at that. Sometimes it gets away from you, and that the a couple of baskets turns into a third basket, turns into those free throws, and you're like, ah, shit, I didn't get a chance to put them in. So, yeah, yeah, he could have, he probably should have put Isaiah in maybe a minute earlier, but. I can see in the moment the thought process of let's see if we can keep him limited under 35. They got they kept him at 33 and see if we can keep it close enough where we can inject him into things and he can now take it the rest of the way. But it didn't work out that way. Sometimes it just doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, and Brad Stevens in the past has definitely um, 
being the type of coach that if some uh, if a bench unit uh, kind of makes a comeback, he's kind of rolling with the guys who got them back into the game, and it's something we've seen him do um, consistently numerous times in the past. It's just – and it's very easy to nitpick, especially after they lost. But I just remember looking up at the score and seeing it's 95-94 and uh, looking out there and seeing Rozier still in the game and just going, man, here's a good time for Isaiah. When's Isaiah going to get back in? Especially after he scored 27 points in the in the first three quarters. It felt like he was having a really good game, uh, especially attacking the paint. We talked about how they missed a bunch of threes. He was really the only Celtics offense uh, going towards the basket. It felt like, I don't know, it's just, it, I would rather see more Isaiah. And I understand uh, kind of the point you're making, but it's just, when he's your only offense, it, it's just frustrating to see him on the bench for so long, but I'm not, you can't pin the whole game on that. You can't pin the whole game on uh, the three point shot or on the defense. It's kind of a mix of a a bunch of different things coming together. And in the end, they still had like a a pretty good push at the uh, final minutes. They made it a close, much closer than it should have been. And Avery Bradley finally decided to show up, but uh, I don't know. It was just, it was just a tough game all around. And I guess it's our job to nitpick, but uh some things could have been changed, but I don't know. What are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know, one thing somebody wants to do is trade for a rebounder. And, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at some of these Rain and Jays tweets uh, from Mike Harris. Celtics are not a good defensive team this season. Sparks negatives outweighs positives. Uh, there are better rebounders at the Y. There's, there's a lot going on there. But um, what Y is he know. going to? I don't know. Some pretty good rebounders in at that Y. Talent, talented rebounding one. <laughs> but uh, I saw a tweet, and it was sent to um, it was sent to Chuck, uh, my partner on Res Army. For those of you who don't know, at Res Army Chuck, uh, they want Greg Monroe. Greg Monroe is getting DNP coaches' decisions in Milwaukee. He's fallen out of favor, and this is his essentially his last season in Milwaukee. He's got a player option next year for uh, almost eighteen million, but he will almost certainly decline that uh but will he do you think greg monroe is going to get more than 17 million next year look in this in this you think i mean i think he has an opportunity to at least get close and go to a place where he can play but here's that's 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 true it just seems it seems absurd for the celtics to kind of take on the risk of him even picking up that player option it just ruins any any chance they have of going out and yeah, signing well, a match guy. And that's the big thing. So the Celtics situation, I know it's frustrating, guys. I know it's really frustrating. You sit there and watch, and the Celtics get crushed on the boards, and we know what happens when the Celtics get crushed on the boards. They were out-rebounded 52-33 to in this game. Uh, 13 offensive rebounds for the Pistons, uh, eight, 8 alone for Andre Drummond. You say, let's figure out a way to get a rebounder in here. It's two things. First of all, yeah, you can go out and get a rebounder. Is this rebounder going to just get rebounds? Is this rebounder also a good defender? Is this rebounder going to help us on offense? Is this re- What's this rebounder's overall, can he switch? Is he versatile? What are, we, what are we looking at? You can't just go out and say, get a rebounder. That's step one. You've got to go out there and get a guy who is also a net positive for your team. And I think rebounding on a night like tonight, it, it kills you, but they had opportunities to do other things to still overcome some of those that rebounding. Uh, okay, so that I think is first. Secondly, 
You don't go off and trade. This, this is the Celtics coming into this year. We've never thought of them as a title contender. This is not a championship season for the Boston Celtics. This is a really good season for the Boston Celtics. Has an opportunity to be a, a damn good one, and has an opportunity for them to even get as far as the conference finals. That is not something that would be surprising to people. It may be, you know, it's them, Toronto, and basically them in Toronto, and Detroit looks like a pretty damn good challenger to get to the Eastern Conference Finals and face the Cavaliers. But no one expects the Celtics to be a championship contender this year. So why? Why when you have the opportunity to have cap space and that flexibility, do you want to spend the, the money? Do you want to spend the players who would be necessary to get that cap space, go out and get Greg Monroe. Is Greg Monroe moving the needle? Is adding Greg Monroe to this team making us a title contender? When you have to trade Amir Johnson, who's got an expiring contract, and Jonas Jerebko, who's got an expiring contract, and to acquire somebody like uh, like uh, Monroe, or even if you trade Olenek, you have to trade a lot and you give up everything. There's no signing a free agent next year. There's no making a trade for a star that you're just saying, go get Monroe. He's not playing. We need a rebounder. That's short-sighted. You don't do that. You just roll with it. This season, you just roll with it and hope you can find a solution within the team somewhere. Maybe somebody steps up or maybe you do other things to overcome the rebounding. But trading for a rebounder not the way to do it unless the rebounder you get is an elite player somehow pried away from I know if you want to go get a rebounder and get Anthony Davis somehow in some miracle way <laughs> yeah sure then you get that kind of rebounder but you don't just go get Greg Monroe he's not the guy that's not that's not going to help the Celtics they give up the opportunity to be a player in free agency. They don't have as many assets to trade at the trade deadline to, to bring in potentially that frustrated star that might be available. It just doesn't make any sense, guys. I, I, I know we're really frustrated, but it does not make sense. Yeah, that rebounder is also going to – Is it, what's he going to do on offense? Is he going to have, be able to spread the floor? Because then – they're, they're, it's a rare guy who's a great rebounder who, who can also kind of shoot from the outside. Is he gonna? Because if he's just an interior guy, are you really gonna play him that much with kind of with Al Horford? And you're gonna play that one traditional center and only play Al Horford at the power forward position? It kind of it changes. It's easy to say go out and trade for that rebounder, but uh, also is that how does he play on defense? It's it just mm-hmm. it's such an easy kind of fan fix to put out there, but it's just it's you got to learn. And have faith in Brad Stevens and the kind of the coaching staff that they're going to learn to put their players in the best position to win. Um, and right now, rebounding is a problem, but it's also what? It's only 15 games into the season or 20 games into the season. It, it's a quarter of the way done. And that's really uh, the NBA season's like the first 20 games, at least how I see it, is like. You really are just trying to learn what your team is. And over the next two quarters, you're really trying to uh, kind of implement changes and trying to uh, really figure out um, how you're going to move forward. And then hopefully, if your team is doing well, is uh, the, the last uh, 20 games of the season is when you really start to excel. So 
I kind of have faith in the in Brad Stevens to be able to figure out a lineup or a, a certain combination of players to to kind of solve these rebounding woes. And I know it's been uh, it's been kind of the the major theme of this season. It's I saw an interesting tweet that saying maybe it's affecting their their transition offense, which I thought was an interesting point that I hadn't really thought about because uh, a lot of the guards are going back to help rebounding, but. In the end, I still think that they're they have enough talent on the roster uh, to kind of figure this out and uh, right the ship. And going out and making a silly trade for Greg Ron Monroe 20, 20 games of the season is just not something I'd want to see the Celtics do, and it's not something I expect. Yeah, them no, to do. it does. And, and Danny Ainge won't do that. That's that's just not going to happen. But I know people are, are asking about things like that. It's just not going to happen. Let's put it out of our heads. Uh, before we wrap this up. What else was there? I don't know. I didn't like. I didn't like some of the officiating tonight. But I don't want to get. I hate. I hate blaming the officials for anything. Some of those calls were egregious, but I, I just hate doing that. Um, yeah, this is just you know. Look, the, the Celtics. I think there there is still experimentation going on. They're not at this this point of full cohesion. It's just not. It's not there. So, and Detroit is a, Detroit's a good team. So that the, the, the game in Detroit came down to a last second block and that crazy put back by Al Horford off the Marcus smart flying into the rim thing. So that was where he nearly broke his neck. So look, Detroit's a good team and they're, they're apparently they're right there. They're kind of challenging Detroit, uh, Toronto and Boston for that top in the top four. So that's fine. That's fine. Uh, it's it's frustrating, but in the end, we're just gonna look back on it and just hopefully the Celtics can learn. Look, Al Horford, like we said, he'll shoot more. That's gonna uh, that's gonna help things. Maybe Marcus Smart will shoot less. One thing we've talked about this week on the show is Marcus Smart is attacking. He is driving. He is passing up some threes, which is crazy to think that he took eight and he's still passing some of them up. But he is attacking, and he's not getting a lot of calls at the rim. So I don't know, and and Jay and I touched on it earlier in the week, I don't know if his reputation is really hurting him. Like tonight, he went down, and I swear I thought he had a concussion. I thought he was done. Like, oh, my God, what what the hell happened to Marcus Smart? He stays down on the court for a minute, gets up, goes to the huddle, comes out. He's fine. Not a big deal. Like, so was that a flop? Did he really get hit? Did he just did he just recover quickly? But I have some questions in my mind about what exactly happened on that play. I can't imagine that the refs don't as well. So when Marcus Smart is on the floor and falling all the time, at some point he's going to have and he may already have the reputation where all of his machinations out there, all of his, you know, histrionics, th- those are just fake. That, that hurts. That hurts. And sometimes it's not a flop. Sometimes he's just, he is getting the foul and he's just selling it a little bit. Sometimes it's an outright flop, but that's his reputation. So I think that, those things hurt Marcus Smart's overall game. Tonight, he attacked the rim a few times. He definitely got fouled a few times, and he didn't get the call. And you're not always going to get the call, but 
there were there were plays where I I thought to myself Isaiah would get that call. Well, it's tough to compare him to Isaiah because I feel like Isaiah gets a lot of calls uh, just because he's so small and is just like uh, anything that anytime he gets bumped, it looks like so much more. But with Marcus Smart, it's like, what's he going to do? Not flop? Like, I feel like it's just like not an option for him. Like, it's so built into his IQ. This is like he's going to be playing super physical basketball and it's just it's what he does. And I'm personally I find his flopping to be hilarious and I guess I don't have the the kind of wherewithal and the foresight to uh, connect it to him not getting a uh, not getting calls at the rim. But it I don't know how what you do to change your reputation like that. It feels like once you get that and uh, that sort of reputation in the NBA, it would take probably a season or two of not flopping whatsoever uh, to kind of turn that around. And I just don't see that happening for him. That's just not something I. Marcus Smart's not going to change his game. It, uh, He's not going to become a better shooter. He's not going to play like be less aggressive, and he's not going to stop flopping. So I just don't, I, I don't see how he kind of uh, gets his way out of this pickle. It is quite a pickle. I like I like putting it like that way. Uh, but yeah, I, I just think, and there's no way to, there's no you can't interview a ref and say, well, I, I'm going to find it'd be a great guest to have. We got to get like uh, uh, Bennett Salvatore or somebody like that, one of the former guys to come on and just talk. Tim Donaghy. Oh, don't even. <laughs> Don't even. God, it's like kicking me in the nuts when you say things like that. All right. That's it. That's where I draw the line. This podcast is over. Thanks for listening. We this, That was a fast half hour. But huh, I don't want to dwell on this game anymore. Celtics lose again 121 to 114. Next up, the Sacramento Kings, who had a night off thanks to uh, the Philly's turning into a swimming pool. Uh, then they, then the Celtics try to go into Philly on Saturday to uh, to play in, in that game. Hopefully, they get their floor issues resolved then. So, a chance to bounce back and get a couple of one here wins here for Boston, which would be really, really important. Uh, a reminder: please check out the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network. Check out Locked On NBA. Chris Ballard uh, of Sports Illustrated is on this. La- the most recent show, it's currently up. He had this great piece about Sam Hinkie, which I could do an entire show just on Hinkie. One of the- would if you piece up all of my Philly stuff, all the times I've talked about them, you, you probably have like three hours worth of podcast stuff. <laughs> but <laughs> I've talked about Hinkie enough. But th- it was a great piece. It gets inside to who he is. And and what he did in Philly and why he did some things, so it's really fascinating. So Ballard was on Locked On NBA, uh, so that was a fun show to to listen to. Check them out. Check out the rest of the network. Check that we've got football shows too. If you are a subscriber, uh, please rate us five stars. If you're not a subscriber, if this is your first time listening, thank you, welcome. We hope to have you back. Subscribe to us. Search for Locked On Celtics. Anywhere you get your podcasts and subscribe. That's the show, everybody. Thanks for listening. Before we go, here's uh, a little conversation I had with the folks up on the Big Jab in Portland, Maine. This is the Locked On Podcast, Locked On Celtics Podcast. Damn, why do I keep doing that here on the Locked On Podcast Network? Follow. 
all has arrived at JCPenney, the perfect time to refresh your home. From now until Sunday, get up to 50% off select comforter sets, furniture, and the most comfortable mattresses from top brands like Tempur-Pedic, Sealy, Beautyrest, and more. And save 50 to 60% on select sheet sets, plus an extra 15% with your coupon on select home items. Hurry and soon. That's getting your pennies worth. JCPenney. Coupon valid 928-109 on select home items, furniture, and mattresses. Prices valid 928-101. Selections vary by store while supplies last. Savings on regular and original prices. Intermediate markdowns may have been taken. Some exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. Welcome back, PM Jam, Garini Danks. It is game night. Celtics take on the Detroit Pistons tonight. To talk about that and much, much more from RedsArmy.com. Also from the Locked On Celtics, uh, Raining Jays, I should say, podcast. At RedsArmy underscore John on Twitter. He is John Corrales. What's up, bud? I'm cool, man. I'm cool. Getting ready for this game. I hear you. I hear you. Good one. And uh, look... Let me ask you this. Let's start out with this, because uh, you guys uh, paid some attention to this on, on your website, and that's Al Horford and sort of some okay. of his response to some of the criticism early on. I mean, the guys had a concussion and a kid. These seem like pretty reasonable uh, you know, uh, issues for someone to miss games. Any part of them that's like, why the hell did I sign here? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. That is something that's, I think, par for the course in any sports market. Maybe there's a little bit more amplification in Boston uh, because it's the Celtics and we have our the media that we have. But no, I don't think this is one of those things. There, I've seen people tweet, uh, you know, you wonder why players don't want to come here. That's that's just it's a minor annoyance. There are blowhards in every NBA market, and there are people who will sit there and say you're getting paid, blah blah blah. You should play. It's only one night away from your daughter and so on and so forth. Whatever, whatever. Uh, I think that Al handled it very well. I think he's let his sister do a lot of the, uh, yes. the crazy talking, <laughs> and, uh, which I love, by the way, fully support. I, I like – I think if I was in that situation, my sister would be doing the same thing. So uh, I, I think it's, it's all being taken in stride, and uh, now we're ready for it all to go away. Well, no question about that, and it's been it's been certainly a different look when he's been there. But I'll, I'll say this: I, I thought uh, Monday, if I remember, yeah, Monday night's win against Miami was was great. I, you know, it was, it was a nice hold on at the end, but ultimately controlling that game uh, through and through, and, and that's what they need to do, John. That's what they need to do against those types of teams, especially who are missing so many uh, of their talented players uh, due to injury and and. You know, if the Celtics want to be at the level they want to be at, they cannot allow those kind of games to get out of control. Absolutely. And, and in the end, wins are wins. And we tend to forget about some of the quality of these wins when we're looking at February and March on the schedule. When we get back to, you know, past the all-star break, we forget about, oh, yeah, that's right. That was a little bit tougher than I thought. You go back, though, and you look, you just count up the W's and the L's. And it doesn't matter. You, you down Al Horford for, you know, whatever reason. Uh, they, you never know what kind of guy a Luke Babbitt starts to go nuts. And you never know what happens in a game, a crazy thing that could swing things. So the Celtics did a good job. They, they held Miami off uh, at a critical point in the third quarter. I thought that Jay Crowder and Isaiah Thomas hit some really, really big baskets. And I think w- when you can, just win these games. I agree that these are huge, and you can. The Celtics are in a stretch now where they can start piling a few of them up, and by Christmas get that that schedule that that record looking pretty good. 
John, you guys also talk about uh, Spolstra kind of targeting Marcus Smart in that game and, you know, uh, Marcus's ability to get frustrated and to have some issues there. Is that a is that a problem at all on the team? Is that something they, they're dealing with? Is that something they look at as an issue? Or is that just a fiery guy playing with his heart on his sleeve? Uh, I think there's some maturation that needs to happen. But, look, Marcus Smart's a young guy, and Jay Crowder has – flat out said that he's talking to him about it. He's trying to get him to rein it in. I'm a big believer in the concept of your, your biggest strength is also your biggest weakness. And Marcus Smart's biggest strength is that fire, that explosion, that thing that drives him to do crazy things like hurdle three huge people to keep an offensive rebound alive so someone else can, can score in a tight situation. He, he puts himself in spots where his energy makes positive plays. But he also puts himself in spots where it gets a little bit out of control. And you have to try to harness that energy in a more positive way. And so it's, it's a work in progress. It's, again, only his third year. I have to remind people this is, you know, the third year of Smart's career. And as a young guy in a game that's played with a ton of emotion – that stuff is going to happen, and he has to be better at that. Eventually, he has to be better at that, and you point them out after that Miami game. You talk to Marcus, and you say, okay, this is a situation where maybe you want to do this, or maybe you want to not listen or, or understand why Spolstra is calling you a hothead. Don't let that negatively affect you. Understand why and use that in a positive way, and so – but not try to contain his energy because his energy really is the basis of what makes him play so well and do so many good things. Isaiah Thomas, uh, we haven't really talked about him that much this year, which is kind of funny, but here he is averaging nearly 27 a game and, and just continuing to, I feel, show you why he deserves to be in the conversation with uh, some of the better players here in this league. I mean, he's nearly at seven assists a game too. And uh, it's just, it's amazing to think where this team would be without him. And, you know, ultimately there's so much talk about guys being moved here and there. I know there's especially a lot last year in, with his name attached, but right now, I think if you're a Celtics fan, it's hard to think that you'd want to see this team move on without him. No, he's, he's really amazing in what he's able to do. Get to the line. Like, yeah, I, I think he's, I want to say fifth or sixth in the league in free throw uh, attempts. He's up there with the guys you would expect to be up there. James Harden, Russell Westbrook, uh, he's in that mix. So he is, And he's doing all of this. This is the crazy thing. He, there's room for him to improve because the, the I think the middle finger on his shooting hand is kind of messed up, and it's affecting his touch from three. He's not shooting well from three. He's just getting to the line so effectively that his overall uh, shooting numbers look pretty good. But if he can just get his three-point shooting back up to his average, then there's another level where he, he can reach. And that's an amazing thing. Look, Isaiah Thomas, I, I'll gush about him all day long because not only is he playing well, not only has he come out after an all-star year and done better – he has embraced Boston like nobody has. He is completely in love with the city. He is doing all of the charity work. He's going out and interacting with the fans. 
He does everything. He is everything you would want in an athlete. John, looking at the uh, Easter Conference, we're only about 20 games in, a little less, 17, 18 games for, for most of these teams. Celtics play their 18th game tonight. And you look at the conference, everyone expected Cleveland and Toronto to be pretty good, be at the top of this thing. Chicago with Dwayne Wade has played fairly well up to this point. The Seas really haven't gotten their entire team together for a very long stretch of time, sitting there at 10-7. But when you look at this conference, are the Celtics more or less – uh, and throw the records out for now because they don't matter so much, but are they more or less where you thought they'd be? Is the conference a little stronger on the top that you thought uh, it might have been? How do you kind of dope that out? Yeah, I think they are, in the end, where we thought they might be. You're right. The numbers, the record is a little bit depressed because of all of the injuries, but like I said earlier, they have uh, an opportunity to make a bit of a run here through the first few weeks of December so uh, they they have a chance to kind of get back up into that second slash third spot. Uh, Toronto playing well, yes, they're they're in that mix. They're they're probably uh, probably they're a little little bit better than the Celtics right now. Uh, we'll see how that pans out. And you know they they're missing Sullinger and they'll get him back and that'll solve some issues for them. But it might create some other issues for them. We'll have to see. But it's I, I still think that what we were thinking before is still going to hold. Cleveland is the class of the East, obviously. Toronto and Boston are kind of fighting it out for that second and third uh, spot. And then it's kind of everybody else. And the everyone else might be a little bit surprising that, that Indiana has had more problems than maybe we expected. Uh, Detroit is going to be okay. But it's, it's kind of where we thought. It's, it's after the Celtics, there's going to be a lot of dogfights for who's going to be uh, seated where. But I don't think when March rolls around that there's going to be a serious challenge to the Celtics other than Toronto and obviously Cleveland. John, where are the Celtics right now with Kelly Olenek? Is it a situation right now where they're simply just trying to find some consistency for him on the floor? Yeah, I mean, it's he benefits from everybody being healthy just like everybody else, just like uh, Jonas Jarebko would or anybody on this team. He, he does need to do uh, some things that we'd, we'd hoped, that I'd hoped for sure. He does need to be more aggressive. That's something that's been a problem, and it continues to be, that he upfakes his way out of open shots. But that's, who knows if it's a lingering effect of the shoulder injury. He doesn't have the confidence to do some of those things. He's afraid to get hit if he shoots. That's possible, but he does need to be more aggressive because when he is, he can really be an, a, a more important part of this team. Still, though, the Celtics' offense, regardless of how he's playing, is, is ranked in the top ten. And defensively, he does do enough defensively where he's not going to shut anybody down and get a lot of strips that were, or blocks, but he'll keep guys in front of him and he'll do enough uh, the rebounding is still going to be an issue, but I think that's always going to be an issue. And so, yeah, I mean, Kelly Olenek, I think, is who he is for right now. And he's another guy who's young. And we, we can't just put this version of him on what he's always going to be. It might be what he's always going to be. But if he can get something going in his head to just whatever is holding him back, to just put that out of his head, then we can see him race his game to another level. We'll have to see if that happens when he's in Boston or with someone else, because that, that's a huge question coming down the road, whether he makes it past this season in Boston. 
John, the Celtics team's given up about 103 points a game so far. Uh, how do you think, uh, you know, Coach Stevens looks at, at that end of the floor, and and you know how how satisfied do you think they are with their defensive play so far? I, I don't think they're satisfied at all. Right. <laughs> every time, every time they give up more than 100 points, it's probably a bad thing, unless it's you know the Golden State Warriors that just got super hot, and sometimes that's going to happen. The Celtics have not done well uh, in turning guys over, turning teams over like they did last year. That was really the bread and butter for the Celtics, especially at the end of the year. You remember, they would go on these huge third-quarter runs, especially, where all of a sudden they just turned teams over and whipped off you know, 8 nothing, 10-2, 12-nothing runs. And they haven't done that a lot this year. So that's, I think hopefully going to come with more Al Horford and more opportunities to get Crowder. Crowder only just had his uh, minutes restriction lifted. So, and we missed so much of the early season with, with uh, Marcus Smart. So each time they've had an opportunity to start to put things together, like that Miami game looked like a great chance for them to hold the team to 80 something, really raise the, uh, the defensive ranking, and then they kind of let let off the, the pedal a little bit in the third quarter, and there goes that. They can't they can't be doing that if they're going to rise in the rankings. And with Horford and with everybody finally like healthy, this is really the first game, uh, or one of a very a few games where they were actually they're going to be healthy and everybody is is kind of cool, no lingering ankle thing, no nothing. So. We're only just now starting to see what this team can be. So they, I think they're very unhappy with the defense, but there's a real strong chance that it could start getting better pretty soon. How do you think they match up tonight? Uh, well, look, they've beaten Detroit before, I, and I think Detroit's a little bit banged up. They still have to worry about the rebounding. That's going to be an issue. But uh, at home with uh, a couple of winnable games coming down the road here, I think this is an opportunity for them to, to go out and beat Detroit again as long as you know they can control the boards enough. They don't have to win the battle on the boards, but I think if they could just limit the damage and keep Drummond at bay a little bit and not just get dunked on like crazy, then they'll, they'll be okay. They don't have to out-rebound Detroit. Just don't get crushed on the offensive boards. <laughs> He's from Red Zark. Just, just, Go ahead. Just keep that recording and just I like say, that. loop it over and over again every, at the end of everything. He's uh, he's a godfather. John Corrales from RedsArmy.com. Also the uh, Locked on Celtics podcast at RedsArmy underscore John on Twitter. John, always appreciate it, my friend. Enjoy tonight. I will. Thanks. Take care, bud. Thanks, John. That is John Corrales from RedsArmy.com. Check him out on Twitter at Red. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.